Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by me two L buddies, me two L pals. It's at IT Hedgehog Peter Jones and Andy Davies at Pooley Shrew. Fellas, uh, Peter, I'll come to you first. Um, just both sound tired, pre prod Just both sound knackered <laughs> from from doing all this draft stuff. Peter, was it worth the lack of sleep, my friend? Hi, Steve. Hi, Andy. Yeah, it's 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 always it's always worth the lack of lack of sleep and there's always interesting stories and and um those of us that try to pretend that we think we know what might happen never never do and uh yeah i know it's always it's always worth it it's always interesting um yeah and i and i apologize for you having to wake me up in the pre-prod steve <laughs> well it's it's quite um excusable because i was getting emails with graphics and stuff at four o'clock in the morning from you um so look you've you've really put in the ot andy davies um how are you doing buddy are you knackered from the draft are you overall is there a sort of a a pregnancy hue a glow around you of you know uh <laughs> nicety after this draft after you giving birth to these draft picks you're off your rocker, used to. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I was, I was, <laughs> I was tired Sunday, but I was fully recovered this morning, raring to go. No, I was. Um, yeah, I was knackered by Sunday. Um, I think I was due to the couch watching the football most of Sunday afternoon. But good night's sleep last night, and uh, away we go today. Been full of beans. Well, I tell you what, I'm a bit delirious, right? Because I realised the dream over the last couple of days, and it's not very often that you get to tick something off your bucket list, especially sort of at a younger age. Expect that sort of Morgan Freeman moment of when you're older. And I put this out on Twitter, and I'm just going to re- reiterate it for the people that don't follow me um, on here um, and have no interest, right? At CD the NFL, it's a bit of crack. So I was uh, Joan ordered something online, right? It starts off like a very boring story. Parcel gets delivered. Um, so the postman comes up to drive out now it's seven o'clock at night right so this lad pulls up in his van i was like oh here we go uh went out it was official on post van i was like cool so i went out to him and i never get talking to the postie right so you get these people who hang over the wall just chatting away right never one for that never one for the small talk whatever it's usually hell yeah yeah we'll scan this great see you later have a good day um so i went down the driver to him and i it was seven o'clock at night so i was sort of thinking jesus so i said to him you're working late right opening up the small talk um and he says yeah yeah he said it's this new initiative i was like okay grand so we got chatting right and there's a couple of moments that i always wanted to happen in my life right now again i'm not talking about the big stuff i'm talking about the random stuff number one was i moved over uh on the motorway for a, a motorcyclist he drove by and, and waved at me i was like cool right that was one i know very random the other one was this one and there's another one that I'm going to go on to talk about after this. I won't take long. So I went out and we got chatting anyway. So I said, all right, Grant. And he said, yeah, yeah, put there plenty of overtime. But then he said, it's okay. I'm off on my holidays next week. And that's the moment I've been waiting for for my whole life, right? Because of this because of this line, I was like, it's my time to shine. I cannot wait to say this to this guy. And I said, oh, yeah, really? Yeah, where are you off to? Barcelona? <laughs> and he turns around, right? After me saying Barcelona, I know it's a dad joke. And that's what I've got criticism online for, right? <laughs> He doesn't hear me at first and he thinks naturally enough I said Barcelona because Barcelona's goddamn awful. So he says, no, no, off to Alicante. And I said, uh, no. And I had to say it again. And I was like, and I was signing the thing as cavalier as you like. And I said, no, no, Barcelona. And he went, uh, and it's just this low sort of laugh. And he genuinely had never heard it before. So that kind of, there it is, lads. There's the bucket list thing. The last one that I want to do is, is. You've turned, you've turned into Dave Allen overnight. You see, I don't know who that is. Before your time, Steve. <laughs> it's before my time, so I'm going to take it. Uh, Peter, thank you for the compliment. Uh, I'm going to take those compliments. Uh, the other one that I want to happen, lads, is, is if you ever got passed out by some douche on the road, some lad that gets right up behind you and flashes you out of it and all this type of stuff, and you pull over disgruntled saying what you would do to him if he was outside his car, knowing full well that you wouldn't do any of it. I want that to happen to me, him to zoom on by and then get immediately pulled over by the police. That's the that's the that's the third thing. Third, Jesus Christ, I'm so Irish. That's the third thing that I would like to happen. Um, I don't know about you lads. If you got any random stuff, small things that you want to happen, like you get a magnum that has two magnums in instead of one. I mean, is there random that you just want to happen to you, or is it just me? It's just a sad act. I I had the PPI call on Friday. I was driving back from Whitby. It was late. It was about I don't know. It was quite about eight o'clock on Friday night, and this phone rings 
unknown number. You're thinking, who's that this time of night? Yeah. Uh, PPI. You think, you're like, seriously? And I thought, Do you know what? I'll give him the guy a break. He's probably getting paid on commission. I'll, I'll listen to his patter and I'll give him a minute because I'm driving. Nothing else to do. Uh, and he goes, oh, PPI, you've got an August deadline. I'm thinking, good gracious, if he talks any faster, <laughs> it would be a, it would be a motorbike. And I'm just, he's going on. And I thought, right, I'm going to play along. And he's risking it all out. He said, uh, have, have, you been, have you been with the Halifax? And I went, yeah, I've been to Halifax, yeah. I've been on Halifax, yeah. I went on a day trip there once with my nana. He was like, oh, right, wait. And I'm thinking, let's do I'm saying it. He says, so, did you have a car with the Halifax? I went, no. I went on the bus. I told you that with my nana and my auntie Jean. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. I, no I'm saying it like three or four times. I went, no, I've been to Halifax. No, have you got the Halifax card? And I was like, oh, God. He went, what about alone? I went, no, I've just told you. I went with my nana. <laughs> and my auntie Jean. <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> How are you that sharp, like, that leg? So, did you go? Have you got a loan? I went. No, I just told you. There were three of us. There was three of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I had somebody in my car, and I swear to you, they, they were wetting themselves. And we must have got on for ten minutes going round in circles about the Halifax, the oh, fact that I'd been on a day trip on the bus with my auntie Jane and my nan, and we didn't go alone. That is incredible. <laughs> guy, yeah, it's the first PPI call that put the phone down on me. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that's the bucket list. Oh man, there you go. I mean, so Peter, we've me and Andy have accomplished what we came to do I, in this life. I mean, what about yeah, you? I, I, I don't, I don't really have any other than I'd like that Stephen O'Brien bloke to do a mock draft at some point. Ah, lads. Other I than mean, that, that's probably asking too much. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what people have keep saying to me, right? There's two things people keep saying to me after this draft. <laughs> One is mock drafts for 2020, which there isn't enough expletives on the planet. Uh, I would rather run a 10k barefoot on Lego than than read it, right? Um, and the second off, and Andy, you've been a party to this, is sending me WWE gifts. I mean, we all know that it's a spandex-clad falsity of a sport. Not even a sport. And people keep sending me these gifts all the time. I, if I could delete Twitter multiple times, I would delete Twitter multiple times. So please, stop sending me wrestling gifts. What, what are the odds of us drafting Randy Savage and Big E? Though? I mean, just, the, the odds are just, I don't know. I need to go and look back through the 300 candidates for the NFL draft and see if we could have got any more no you see that would result in more uh, wrestling gifts and I don't think we need to go there but look it's it's about time that we actually we dive into who we drafted here and now Peter uh, you did a bit of research and you crunched the numbers I'm going to do a completely fully dedicated podcast on the how wrong mock drafts are I pr- pretty much 99% of people got it <laughs> entirely wrong uh, and everyone's wrong right so how did uh, the UK Packers draft guide uh that was authored in, in a large part by you. Andy dived in and, and got his hands dirty. And then I put in a small bit of Packers content and all the rest. But I mean, you two lads are a brainchild of this operation to do with the draft. How did we fare against everybody else? So if we, looked at, if we look at the first round, we look at the first 32 picks, Steve. We got tw- 25 of our, of our first 32 were picked in the first round. Um, and I've yet to come across anybody else that, that got more than 25. So I've looked at all of the usual mock draft and um, draft expert candidates. Yeah. Um, and unless somebody could write in and come up with one that got more than 25, I haven't found one yet. Um, all of the mock drafts or all of the, the big boards that I've seen, every single one of them had Juwan Taylor going in the first round, um, us included. And of course, he fell out of the first round because of late injury news. So, yeah, had yeah. we known that, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been in the first round. So, in theory, we got twenty five out of thirty one. That's really decent. Now, what was the closest to us? If you don't want to mention names, that's fine. But what's the well, numbers? So, 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 yeah, so there's a bun- the bunch of guys on on from the NFL Network. Um, the bunch of twenty threes, twenty fours, and twenty fives there. Um, okay. And there was some some of the other, should we say, organisations that we know. That were in that were in the twenty mark and nineteen mark and seventeen mark. Um, so, you know, that it's it's encouraging that we were that we're that we're right there and that, that that it wasn't complete nonsense that we put out. Well, I think the conclusion here stands is that number one, people stop doing mock drafts. Number two, people just follow our coverage and don't listen to anybody else. Um, <laughs> and also. Look, do you know what? Do you know what the brother-in-law told me uh, last weekend? He he said, "Oh, did you hear about this guy?" And I've been, I'll I'll get him to send it on, and I'll tweet it out. Um, he gave me the name of a guy, and I was like, "No, I've never heard of him." And he said, "He's the guy who got eight of the first nine picks correct, 
and he 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 did it in two thousand and one or two thousand and two, and they're still talking about it seventeen yeah. years later. I mean, that'll go to show you how difficult it is now. And the thing is, right, is as much as I hate mock drafts, this was the year where usually it gets scuppered by someone trading up into the top five, top six picks and picking somebody that they don't expect and, you know, sort of shuffling around the place. And that always destroys people. That didn't even even happen this year. There was an awful lot of movements and we talk about the Packers related ones. Um, but that didn't even happen this year, and yet there was still, you know, mock drafts were still rubbished. I think, yeah, and I and I think I think that you, you know you've mentioned this before, and you, know, you you have to be really careful of the over analysis, you mm. know, and coming up with a guy that that you know everybody else has got in the third round, and you suddenly convince yourself, yeah, be, that that you've picked on something that nobody else has seen, and that this guy's a first rounder. You know, and we can mention, you know, some names from from this year's draft: the Paris Campbells, the Andy Isabellas, those kind of guys that that were appearing in some people's first round mock drafts for no real reason, in in my in my view. Mm. Um, and I think Andy 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 would agree with that. And and <laughs> and um, you know, it was it was almost you know let's 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 find a guy that nobody else is going to have, and we'll say he's going in the first round, and then try and convince everybody else that he's a first rounder. Yeah. Uh, and look, the thing about mock drafts is, is and I know I come down hard on mock drafts because I just, A, I don't have a rationals about college football, so it's it's not my forte. Um, and I know that mock drafts, I'm not discounting the fact that they're fun to do and it's fun to dream and it's part of the excitement and all the rest of that type of stuff. Not a problem with that whatsoever. Um, and I know, Andy, like you're a fan of delving into the players, looking at mock drafts and, and doing the mock draft calculator. But I think it does need to be taken, Andy, with a pinch of salt, right? That Like, like you of all people for sure know is that you know who the sleepers are and, and you come up with some great names and you know as well for a fact that when you do your mock draft does just because you put it into a calculator doesn't mean that Brian Gutekunst is, is waiting till you fax it through <laughs> so that he can go and make it happen um, that it is fun to do but there has to be a caveat out there to not delve into that media narrative right I think it's the difference between a mock draft for your own team isn't it and a yeah. mock draft trying to do all 32 NFL teams <clears throat> that's pretty ridiculous I'm going to look at the top 10 now um I'd have got the first three, but then Ferrell at four, I wouldn't no. have picked that in a million years. Devin White five was quite yeah. straightforward, I think. Daniel Jones, I'm still yeah. laughing at the thought of that actually happened. Yeah. Um, Josh Allen to the Jags, pretty much spot on. Hawkinson to the Lions, I thought was a nailed on certainty. Yeah. Oliver still being there at nine. Buffalo were bound to pick him up. Devin Bush at 10, couldn't see that coming. Certainly couldn't see the trade with Pittsburgh. And then Jonah Williams at 11 is, you can sort of understand that. So that's yep. just a top 10, a quick look. So we've just picked maybe six out of 10. So you've already four people out yeah. <laughs> in yeah. terms of a mock draft, aren't you? So, and then if you, you know, you've spent to the back end of the first round, Titus Howard, round one, really? Did anyone see that? I, I, I certainly didn't see that coming. Um, LJ Collium was a bit of a reach at 29 yep. for me. Caleb McGarry, given his sort of medical yeah. background is a reach at 31. So, and I had Nikhil Harry nowhere near at the front end of the wide receiver core. So there's another four people. So <clears throat> in terms of mocks, it's just the, the stimulation piece you talked about is great for your own team in terms of just trying to find the natural level for people on those boards that you respect. But that's about it. It's just a fun tool, isn't it? Really? It's, it's all it is, you know, and I'd, I'd sort of it just, something to do on a cold wet Wednesday night isn't it but that's about it really <laughs> well and I would proffer right and this is where it gets dangerous for me and this is where it gets a bit ridiculous is that uh, when everybody's saying the same stuff and coming up with the same players and all of a sudden it becomes like if you pick somebody else it's like oh what does this guy know what a clueless fool and then what ha- happens is is you float out maybe two or three names for Pack Nation to look at and if we don't draft them which we didn't then people just instantly assume oh well this player is obviously trash or oh this is a disappointment we didn't get who we wanted like the thing is Hawkinson was tipped to go to Detroit um <laughs> you know a long time ago uh, you know and the people kept picking him for the Packers now again I'm not dogging anybody who does mock drafts or enjoys them I understand the enjoyment value but so I, I guess let's just delve into it right Rashan Gary uh, selected at number 12 there's a media narrative out there that was rubbished by Joe Huber, who's the college scout who spoke after the pick, and also Brian Gutekunst. And Gutekunst actually mirrored exactly what uh, I say on a very regular basis. And that is, is that an awful lot of this crap sometimes is a media narrative that somebody puts it out there, somebody else just copy-pastes it and writes another some slightly different take on it. And everybody keeps repeating the same stuff. 
And it's so, lazy, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just lazy journalism, isn't it? That's what it is. And this is where I'm so interested to find out uh, how you guys feel about Rashawn Gary for this exact reason. Uh, Peter and, and Andy, you had him down as number 13, didn't you, on the on the list? It was... He was, thir- he was 13 on the list, and, and bizarrely enough, had we taken out Juwan Taylor, which we would have done if the guide had been done three days later, yeah. he would have been 12 on the list and right, right in the exact spot. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't sit here and say that was the pick that I expected to go to the Packers, because it wasn't. Mm. You know, um, Gary was one of those guys that was kept popping up in the back of my head throughout the whole process, saying, it could be him. It could be him. But of course, there were probably... 10 others that were also popping up in the, in the, in the, in the back of my head at the, at the same time. Um, you know, on, on, on paper, it wasn't the, it wasn't the pick that, that I expected, but I think it's, it's about value for picking at 12 in, you know, in, in our view, they got the 13th best player in, in the draft. So I think from that perspective, it's value. I, I also think that given the moves in free agency with the, with the two Smiths coming in, mm. you're bringing in a third guy now that you're that you're not necessarily saying is going to have to come in and contribute ten sacks in his in his rookie season. Yeah. So it's quite a luxury to be in that position. You know, if if you were going in with a a particular position of need, you know, had, had we not signed the two Smiths in free agency and we were absolutely desperate falling over ourselves to get a pass rusher that's going to come in and be, you know, the second coming of Lawrence Taylor in his rookie season, then you'd probably be sitting here thinking, Gary's not that guy. Yeah. And that's, you know, he's not that guy in 2019. Everybody's hopeful that he's that guy in 2020 or 2021. Um, but we we had the luxury of not being in that position. So, so from that perspective, um, it did surprise me. As I said, it was a, it was a it was a surprising pick for the for the Packers for me. On the flip side of that, though, um, and and, it, and it's a it's a lesson it's a lesson learned or a lesson reinforced. I think now that we've seen two years of of Goot in the job, is that the guy tested off the charts with his Raz Raz and Spark scores. You know, so we're talk, talking about a guy in the 99.5th percentile at his position for, for, for all those guys since they've been doing RAS scores that's ever been tested. And what we've seen throughout last year's draft and now reconfirmed with this year's draft is that, is that Goot is going to go after guys with that high athletic score. And, and, it, and it's reinforced that for us and, and, a, and a lesson for us, I think, for next year. So that raises a couple of points, right? Um, and Andy, if I can come to you on this, is that I'm not set. I did. I hadn't. I had no idea, right, that they were going to go for Rashan Gary. Uh, I, I can understand that people's angst when we didn't get the guys that we wanted, and I think that's a large part because of these mock drafts that just get pumped out constantly about <laughs> who people should go for. And Rashan Gary was not one of the guys on that list, right? Now, funnily enough, he was on one of yours from when back in February. Um, yeah. So you <coughs> was, you, yeah. you had him in there, right? Um, and credit where credit's due but like the thing is is that what sort of irks me is is and, and this is what Joe Huber and what uh, Brian Gudekunz was saying Gudekunz was saying is that this is a media narrative that's been regurgitated and being left out there and all of a sudden it becomes true and that's all that people can talk about I would love to know the percentage of people who say that this guy and I'm going to quote here did nothing at Michigan how many of them watched his game tape from Michigan and said he did nothing? Now, Bill Huber addressed that without addressing that exact point of what people were saying because it was immediately after the pick. And he said that, uh, and I think, it, well, it was posed to him, you know, w- what do you see his production versus, you know, where you picked him as that good value? Alluding to that sort of a passive-aggressive thing of like, you know, when someone says to you, is this your empty can that you've left on the counter without picking up and putting where it's supposed to be? And you're kind of thinking... I don't think that's just asking me is that mine. I think there's something behind that now. So they asked Bill Huber a similarly passive-aggressive comment, um, and he just got back and said, without hesitation, might I add, and I'm a big body language expert, as we all know, right, uh, to say of such a small body myself, is that he came out and said, uh, look, this guy was very active. He's got a motor that goes all day. He doesn't back down. Um, if you're looking at his lack of numbers, he was you know, double and triple teamed, and that's why some of his teammates uh, got so much purchase. Now, Andy, as a guy who does delve into game tape like Peter, um, what? Because I I can't speak on it at all. 
and I'll get on to what people are saying about Rashan Gary after, but from you looking at this game tape, I guess a couple of questions for you really is that I'd love to know. Number one, when he was picked, was it a massive shocker to you? Um, how did you initially feel about it? And from looking at his game tape, do you buy into that narrative that he did nothing at Michigan and this is a really boomer bust pick? Well, I think it was a shock to Packer Nation, wasn't it? There's yeah. no experts, inverted commas, that got, that got that pick right. <clears throat> you allude to the fact that back in February, I didn't want to, on one of my boards at number one, but that was in February. And I was I made no secret of the fact that I didn't have the foggiest clue who Green Bay would take in the first round. And that, that played true to form, to be honest, because it wasn't an obvious pick. Like you say, we'd addressed most of our needs in free agency. And I just think that Gooty's taken a home run swing on somebody that athletically is elite. Mm. Um, his size, he's a, he's a great chess piece for, you know, Patine's defence. He's bright. It means a lot to him. His reaction was, was priceless, wasn't it? You know, it means an awful lot to him. So I think he's, he'll be well respected by the coaching fraternity because he, it obviously means a lot to him. Yeah. Um, so I think th- those are all real positives, aren't they? I think it's a real home run swing because if he, if he plays like he tests, then you've got an elite player, haven't you? I watched a lot of Michigan games after Wisconsin. They're my probably second <clears throat> favourite team, which is odd because they're the big rivals. But I do watch a lot of Michigan games, always have. And the concerns I have with him are that he has no pass rush moves. So for a, an outside linebacker stroke defensive end, he has the bull rush, but I haven't seen a lot more other than that. So that's my concern, I guess. Um whether that can be coached up or something that he was asked to do schematically, we, we'll never know. Um, and obviously the injury concerns, but I don't understand all the negative um, vibe that surrounded the pick. I just don't understand that. He hasn't played it down yet in the NFL, so I, I never judge a pick based on the ability that they showed in college. Yeah. My only concern, <clears throat> wasn't a concern, frustration probably the right word, with the pick at 12 is, is the value. And what I mean by that is that because there was no obvious pick, for me, we talked about it, months in advance I don't understand why we didn't trade down uh, and when we come on to sort of the pick of Darnell Savage and the, the bottom end of round one it even makes more sense that we should have traded back because if you look at the board we took Rashawn Gary at 12 right down so I don't know I think it was Denver wasn't it Peter that, that traded out of 10 for Dem- Devin Bush wasn't it yeah. yeah so Pittsburgh gave up a second round and a third round pick is that right next year to trade up 10 places. Yeah. So you've got to think that the same sort of offer would be on the table to Green Bay, wouldn't it? Because mm. Devin Bush wasn't going to, to Cincinnati. So I, I would imagine that that's the bit that frustrates me more than anything is the value. Does that make sense? Because I think that we could have picked up a third and a second and, and use that think, as a trade back to get back up in round one and pick up. I think that's right. And I think, I think that's, you know, as, as Andy says, I think that that's, that's the thing that's been on our minds for a number of months now when he just just felt the way that the board was going to fall i guess that you know you'd love to be a fly on the wall and a party to the to the conversations that that went on and I, and i guess i i guess it would depend on who the potential trading partner was well, how let's far say the pa- if it was denver if let's say if it was denver at 20 okay so if we yeah. trade with denver 12 to to 12 to 20 and they get yeah. who they want and we get who we want yeah um <clears throat> so, no, sorry, it's pittsburgh it, it, in between times you've got okay miami might have taken one so if miami might have taken but atlanta were taking offensive line all day washington were taking a qb brian burns would have been your option two wouldn't it that went to the panthers and then you've got minnesota offensive line all day tennessee defensive line with simmons so potentially you're gonna have the choice of burns simmons and and Gary at twenty, so you, yeah. you're going to be yeah, no worse off. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I, I tend to agree. I, we can we can only assume that I think that um, that that they had Gary rated so much more highly than they had Burns. Yeah, well, we did. We didn't. I didn't. You know, but 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 you can only assume that they did. They must have, wasn't they? They must have. They must have yeah, the charts. Yeah, that they just felt that there was no way that they could take that take that risk. You know, and. I, yeah, I've you know, without keep keep on going on about the same point. You know, we've, we've both felt, we've all felt that trade down a few slots from twelve was the. It's long since felt like the right thing to do, but you know, it's it's we are where we are, and like like Andy says, the guy's not played a not played a down yet. Um, and asking the Michigan question, U of M are my college my college team so I so I watch them more closely than any other mm. any other team and 
I think you I think you hear a lot of a lot of truths when you hear the scouts talk and when you hear uh, the U of M coaches talk, um, the defensive coordinator Don Brown when you hear hear him talk. Um, clearly, a lot of a lot of what was going on with Gary was the system, what he was asked to do um, at U of M. Um, but I do agree with that with Andy. He, he he seems he seems right now to be a one trick pony on a pass rush. He's, and he, and he, it's it's either the bull rush or it's the it's the speed when he's untouched. So it's one of those two. But 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 there's you know there's not a Reggie White hump move in there. There's not a bend of the hips or whatever <laughs> in it you know in there. Um, so I think that's the stuff that you, you you're hoping that he's gonna. He's going to learn. The other thing, sorry, I think the other thing is, and I think we need to be conscious of this, is, you know, they deliberately, when they put the card in, listed him as a linebacker. Yeah. And I, and I and I think that this is going to be about him getting moved around, being able to rush through the gaps like they're going to do with the two Smiths. And all of those guys aren't going to be double teamed. And and, and I think that's what this is. That's yeah, what this is about. Clearly, yeah. Yeah. Like, look, you see, the thing is, I understand. And again, I, I'm certainly not one of the position to be in the thing of like, oh, why is everyone so low on him? I understand um, all of that. It's super valid points about, you know, value about the fact that he's he's he is seen as kind of a developmental pick. And like what you alluded to or set out straight is that, you know, he's not expected to come in and make that instant impact to fill a need. We have the need filled, let's say, and that he's going to come in and he's going to be allowed either run amok or train, you know, or, or sort of hone that I skill, think, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's so important. I mean, if you were to look at this draft and say, look, the Packers normally pick around 20 or 21. So that's, you know, their second first round pick was at 20. If you took Gary out of it and then said, actually our first round pick was savage. And then the rest of the draft, you'd think, Actually, that's not a bad draft. You know, you've you've picked up Savage and, and Jenkins and Sternberger and, and and Keke and some other guys. You think that's, that's, that's they've done pretty well there. Then you had then you had Gary back into that, and you think actually, you know what? That's actually a pretty damn good draft. Yeah, Pete, you're talking common sense now. Come on, that's, that's, yeah, that's, no, come on, yeah. Peter. <laughs> We're going, we have to hang up with Amanda here. And I, and, I, and I think when it really, you know, I think when it really comes down to it, you know. And as I say, I'll hold my hands up and say he wasn't the expect my expected pick. But when it really comes down to it, there's been so much influence, so many mock drafts, so many big boards, so much media reporting, and none of them, as Andy said, none of them picked out Gary being the Packers mm. pick, that people have become convinced almost in advance that if Gary was picked, <laughs> it would be a bad pick. Well, I'll tell you what, here's how I think it's a stroke of genius, right? is that if you fill a need, it's counterintuitive in a way. I think that this was a stroke of genius because they've effectively taken the pressure off having to pick here um, and they fill the need with the Smiths. And then they go and they pick a guy who isn't expected to have to hit the ground running. So they're, they're going to allow time for him to, to develop. And the fact that they see him as rough and that he needs that developmental time to come in and do what he needs to do. And also playing in a Mike Petten system, which is all about disruption up front as well, which is actually one of his strengths. So the fact is they've managed to pick him at 12, which would usually be massive high expectations. And they're going to lower those expectations because they're like... Well, you know, people are sort of deeming him as a boom and a bust. And we don't actually need to put him in there and have him produce crazy high numbers at the very start. Which means they can kind of use him in sort of a bit piece role at the start. Ease him into it. No one's really going to care. As opposed to having to fill that need and what we need to get. Like, I think actually the more pressure is probably on Darnell Savage to come in. Because of the comparisons oh. that he's got from people. Uh, the fact that we, we need him at safety to come in and hit the ground running. Like, uh, is that not the truth? It's the price we've paid for Savage. It's the pressure. <laughs> exactly. Now, that's what we've come to. We've literally given up two fourth-round picks. One of them we got for Ha Clinton Dick, so that was worth a packet of King Crisps, right? So let's just sort of put that on the table here. So just, just, just while you mention Ha Ha Clinton Dix, Clinton Dix ran a 4.58 at his combine, 40 mm. speed. Same speed, same time that Rashan Gary ran. So, Peter, what you're saying is we should play Rashan Gary at safety. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> 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 well probably as effective um so darnell savage then actually do you know what before we leave the Rashan gary uh thing let me just say a piece about this 
is that for all of the people out there who, and again, I understand, uh, you know, you question the value, you question the pick, you look at the shoulder injury and you question that, you look at his production in Michigan and you sort of say to yourself, it's, you know, it didn't live up to the hype. Um, now, that's been disputed by the scout who said that they've been looking at this guy since he got onto college. He was the top prospect coming out of high school, but then they asked Gudekunst, do you look at high school? And he said no. So anybody sort of goes, oh, well, he's looking at his high school, he's looking at the college and the system and thinking that, you know, he, he's kind of going to regain the form that he was supposed to have in the pros. Well, if Gudekun says that he doesn't look at high school, only for like punt return or kick return or stuff, that wasn't really involved in that selection. So I understand the skepticism about it all. But one thing that I don't understand, and that is it's the sure certainty that you have to know, if on this man's special day of being drafted number 12 and he's crying and he's happy about it, if you're going to at Rashan Gary on Twitter and smack talk him and talk about how crap he is and then get surprised that he's blocked you on Twitter, you've played yourself. You've played yourself. I mean, what did you expect to happen? Are you really going to be allowed to bash someone and then not get blocked? The only person that I've seen get bashed and not block people is the classicist Mary Beard. And as far as I'm concerned, she's a septuagenarian, I think, at this stage, and she's not going to play in the NFL anytime soon. So if you're an NFL fan and you don't want to get blocked by somebody, maybe don't lambast them on Twitter and call them crap and then get surprised. Are you seeing much of that out there, lads? And I mean, am I am I alone in this? No, it's just it's just laughable, isn't it? I'm just sitting there chuckling away because it's just I don't know. What do you expect? It's, you know, yeah. you know. Would you do it? You know, face to face with that the sort of conversation that you'd have? Yeah. Bearing in mind he's never even played down in the NFL, it's just yeah. laughable, isn't it? it? It just brings the whole tone of social media down a notch, doesn't it? And that, um, I don't know. We need some sort of Twitter police or Facebook police to <laughs> get out there and start weeding these guys out because they really yeah. are just a waste of space. Yeah. Too many of them, I think. Uh, I think that's the problem. But um, do you know what? If I could, I would get all my social media accounts and delete them off the face of the earth and just go and live in a log cabin. But I guess that's not the world we live in. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Darnell Savage, safety. This is a guy who's been compared to some some pretty um, big names. And again, it kind of follows the same point, I guess, Andy, as well, right? That this guy hasn't even played it down in the NFL, yet he's also Earl Thomas. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, like, what are we talking here? Um, when this came true, Andy, for you, was this a home run hit and you're thinking, OK, this is an NFL ready safety that fills an absolute need and allows other parts to move around. So it allows us for me not to have to use veterans uh, to plug and play in there. Also, when we talk about Josh Jones and you're a proponent for him playing closer to the line that we can nearly move him into some sort of hybrid linebacker role now. Um, is that how you feel about this pick? Are you happy? <laughs> Yeah, Peter's chuckling away because he knows I was in love with Thornhill and Savage before the draft. So we talked about safeties at length, yeah. and um, there was quite a diverse opinion amongst the draft nicks of the world, wasn't there? In terms of, there was probably seven or eight safeties all with similar grades. But I had Thornhill and Savage way ahead of everybody else. To be fair, just just because of the deep fit, um, I just think we need a deep safety. Who's gonna? He's got a lot. He's got speed. He's got playmaking ability. He's diverse. Um, I love the pick. Absolutely love it. I think he's going to be a top safety in the league. Um, he's a, a RAS elite player. Um, he's a great fit for the Packers. You know, puts his body on the line, makes tackles. Just just everything you want in the safety, really. Perfect. It's just that probably six weeks before the draft, he was a fourth-round pick. <clears throat> Two weeks before the draft, he was a second-round pick. It turned out the day of the draft, he's a first-round pick. And, and it's just what we spent to get him, isn't it? So it's as though... Goody went out with a, the housekeeping for the week with a shopping list. <laughs> got got to Sainsbury's and thought, oh, that piece of steak looks great. Spent, <laughs> spent, spent all of his housekeeping by 20 pence on this lump of steak and got back home and said, look how good that steak is and it is a mighty piece of steak. And the wife but, said, that is savage. Um, absolutely that so. is savage, but we've got no, <laughs> got no money left over for the pepper sauce or any new potatoes or anything of that nature because all the money's been spent. So, hey, that, that the only thing isn't it it's just it's linked to the first pick really isn't it so I just Mm -hmm. I just it's a game of it's a bit like a jigsaw for me isn't it we're putting all the pieces in place and I think we can't argue with the first pick we can't argue with the safety pick we can't argue further down the line with the picks that that he's made but for me there's still a piece of the jigsaw missing and you take away those two fours there's a lot of people in round four that went that could have been of value to us um, and particularly sort of key positions so that's just my only caveat that says we've paid up a whole lot of 
house to get him, haven't we? Um, love the pick, love the player. I think he'll be brilliant. Can't wait to see him on the field in a, in a Green Bay uniform, but it's just the price we paid to get him. And I know that he came out and very unusually said, I can tell you for certain he would have been gone. But mm. <clears throat> we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, but um, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's a lot to give up in it, two fours. Would Ted Thompson ever give up two round four picks? <laughs> oh, he was into accumulating fours, wasn't he? He loved a bit of four action, four, <laughs> five, six. Give I think me. Ted must have been asleep when he did that move. Yeah. <laughs> Ted was snoozing in the corner. Yeah, he woke up and like, what? What do we do? What? We're not picking for 75 picks. What do we do? <laughs> but um, can we trade back in? So that's it. I, I totally agree with you. I love this player. And again, I'm you. You guys do the sort of the front end work and you, and obviously the back end work. But you do enough other stuff that you know these players coming in. I'm the guy who like comes in after the fact. You know that time where someone says something to you, you go home and you say to the wife, "I was gonna say this to him," and I'm really good after the fact. And that's the same as it is here. Looking at these players and looking at tape on Savage and all the rest gets me super excited. The guy looks like a ball hawk, and he to me he perfectly fits Petten's defense in that if you create the havoc up front, well then you get an awful lot of more loose balls coming down deep um, and I think that Darnell Savage is going to be around the ball he certainly has that speed Peter do you share Andy's excitement uh, for Darnell Savage? Yeah, no I absolutely do and as, as Andy said I mean the last moves that we made on our on our big board was to rearrange the list of safeties and you know and we moved Savage and Thornhill up to kind of early second round my only regret is that we we, we didn't move them further up um, <laughs> because because you look at it now and, and you know the, the, there was it was a player on the rise, as Andy said, in the last in the last month or so, and it, it's difficult when you go back and look at you know, look at my notes about him. It's difficult to find too much in, in in a way of fault. Yeah, he's a little bit small, but that's but that's all relative. You know, he's a little bit small at five foot ten and three quarters and one hundred and ninety five pounds. So he's yeah. not he's not five foot eight, one hundred and sixty. Um, but but other than that, it's it's really difficult to find too much too much fault with 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 this at all and and you know with with adrian amos playing closer to the line of scrimmage which i think is his ideal spot yeah get, getting a guy guy that can play deep and and a guy that that makes plays on the football you know it's one it's one thing having you know guys that will tackle and make big hits and all of that and that's and that's fantastic but you but you need guys that are going to play the football and uh, you know that's that's either knocking it down, make, making turnovers, forcing turnovers, being around, recovering fumbles, and that's that's an art. You know, so many of these guys. I mean, you look at, I, and I understand it's a different position, but you look at, at Greedy Williams at cornerback who dropped to the second round. It's got all the athletic skills in the world, but if you watch him and study him, he loses the football. Yeah. So 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 he get yeah he's going to pick off the odd pass here and there, but but but. You know, he he gets beaten too often on on jump balls and balls that he should be knocking down because he just loses the football in the air. And so it's important that you find a guy that actually knows where the football is. And I know that sounds crazy and it sounds mad, but it's 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 so important. Yeah. In terms of giving up the number fours, in terms of trade value, you know, you take out the old trade value um, chart, and and actually the Packers came out on top of that on top of that. I know. But, 60 but, points for me. I think we were yeah. 60 points ahead or something like that. But, oh, yeah. come on. It's but just, but, but, oh. No, but I'm, I'm with you, Andy, particularly when we sat there on day, I'm losing track of the days now, but on day on day three, and there, and there was a whole bunch of solid players coming off the board in the fourth round. And, 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 you, and you sit and you think, oh, I wish I'd have got a fourth round pick now. Because a whole bunch of guys, and, and I guess it's because, you know, a number of guys got picked earlier than they probably should have done you know the Titus Howards of this world that Andy Andy mentioned and the LJ Colliers of this world who who may turn out to be really good NFL players but really should have gone in the third or fourth round those guys having gone earlier meant other guys were falling and and there was a lot of talent in that fourth round area which would have been nice to have but you, you can't have everything I think just to rewind it then I just think that if you redo it in terms of value with Gary and Savage combined and, and the way I described with Pittsburgh and, and Denver and all that, there's a way you could have got a wide receiver as well. It's me being greedy, and I'm not second-guessing <laughs> Gooty, and I'm not yeah. trying to second-guess anybody else. It's a numbers game for me, and I just think if, the more you look at it, and I thought it on the day it wasn't just like an after effect. I just thought that the opportunity was always there to trade down. If you want to come back up in the first to pick up your, that's who we went for, Savage, then great. But you would have still been left with an extra pick. 
whether it's in the third round next year or the second round this year. And then you have your pick of Metcalf, Samuel, AJ you, Brown, yeah. you know, and all those kinds of guys. And, th- and then you tell me what you would have graded this draft because you'd have graded it at yeah. A plus, and yeah. people would have been swinging from the chandeliers Absol- and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. So that's that's I, I it. yeah, no, and I absolutely get that. I mean, you just have to assume that they were so tied in on Gary that that they that they felt for whatever reason that 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 that, that there was a big drop off on their board from Gary to to let's to let's say Burns or even Montes Simmons. Montes- yeah. Simmons. Yeah. Um, that, that, that they didn't want to take that risk. That's that's the only assumption we can make there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And th- this is the thing is like usually I'd be trying to jump in and say we you know we can't grade the draft for blah blah blah. But of course you can. You can grade it with intent. You can grade it with the players that you got and how they're graded uh, and all the rest of that. And I think that those two picks fantastic i do have a problem with the um eldon jenkins pick but not because of his play or how he fits a need because we've seen that we do need someone in the o-line my real problem with this pick is the fact that he has a g in the name but his name's pronounced eldon i mean if you're gonna give a kid a name with a g in it i mean let us say elgton don't let us say elton because you know what i used to i used to work with a girl whose name was anya which is a very irish name and she used to get so pissed off that people called her anya you're annie she was like oh they keep calling me annie instead of anya i'm like yeah because they're not from Ireland. That's what happens. <laughs> I mean, it's a name. But apart from the name Elton being Eglinton or whatever, um, Lance, what do you think of this pick, um, Andy? Like, obviously, we needed to go O-line, right? Is this a pick for you that is sort of a successor? Um, do you see an awful lot in, in his skill set that lets him be it? I, I, I guess the, the main thing that they pointed out on all of the coverage is that he's played so many positions on the O-line that this guy is, is a typical Packer O-lineman that he's sort of a, is a versatile pick. So you hit the nail on the head. He was a typical Packer offensive lineman. He was the most obvious pick of the draft for Green Bay for me. I got sort of caught up in the wide receiver fanfare, to be honest, in yeah. in round two. Um, I think together with Savage in round one, I thought he would come out in round two, but we got him in round one. With with Jenkins, he's just everything. The the, the RAS score was fits in with the Packers' threshold. Perfect fit, diverse, can play multiple positions, even... Projected he could play tackle potentially. Um, the Luke Getzey connection, so they would have had a lot of insight in terms of his personality and the way he was in the locker room. So they they had you know multiple reasons to to, to home in on him. It's just at the time, I guess there was just an awful lot of sexy wide receivers on the board that were available as well. This is the sensible, sturdy, non-sexy pick, perfect <laughs> fit for the Packers offensive line. But it is, it is, and for all people would have. Exhale, puffed out cheeks and all that sort of stuff at the time of the pick. And me included, I guess, for a little while. I was yeah. more frustrated with myself, but I just didn't stick to my party line because he was the obvious pick for me. Um, but I guess it's like Peter alluded to, the board was sort of falling in a bit of an odd shape, wasn't it? And there were some people on there we didn't expect to be on there and your eyes get drawn towards that, I guess. Um, but no. Uh, yeah, solid. Good, good. I think it's uh, Lane Taylor be looking over his shoulder, though. That's, uh, that's the one yeah. thing that strikes you. Because um, Lindsay's not going anywhere, is he? And he's not an automatic fitted tackle. So I think Gar's going to be his settling position, isn't it? So, um, yeah, great, great, solid pick. When you watch him play, he's, um, I think it's, he reminds me, do you remember Scott Wells, the centre we had quite yep. a few years ago? Yep. He's a little, he was a little bit more undersized, but certainly um, he knows how to anchor. Jeez, well, yeah. he doesn't, I think he's given yep. up one sack in two years, hasn't he? Um, he sort of arches his back, and even when he gets his pad level a little bit wrong, he's still able to sort of plant and, and hold his own. So, you know, which is a fantastic trait to have as an offensive guard, and I'm sure Aaron Rodgers will appreciate that if he's in the starting lineup from week one. Yeah, I, lo- I, I love this pick. Um, and a bit like a bit like Andy, as, as, as you're watching it live and you're seeing all these other guys, and DK Metcalf's not gone yet, and, you, and your eyes are drawn to those guys, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but when you take a step back, I mean, there. I think that Eric McCoy went the pick right after this. So, so, so there's those two guys that we had yeah, right, that was next, what we're saying, right next to each, yeah, right next to each other, and and very very similar, very very similar players. So they could have gone in in in, in either order. And I, I think you know I'd got Jenkins towards the the end of the second round, but but when you pick it at 44 and 75, he ain't going to be there at 75. And if he's he, if he's your guy. I think that's. I think. I think it's a really good pick, and I, I think Andy's right. I think that probably of all the positions, you know, he's going to fit in at left at left guard, and yeah, I, th- I think Lane Taylor's in 
they've got to be looking over his shoulder, should we, should we say? And I like, you know, and I like Lane Taylor as a as, as a player, but he's only got one year left on his on his deal, and it's a big deal. And um, you know, I, I think that it could be that Jenkins is the long term replacement for Lindsley. You know, two or three years down 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 the road. Um, it's got all those traits. One thing we kind of touched on it with Lindsley, I think, on the last call. If you watch, if you slow it, if you slow it down and watch the speed of Jenkins' snap, it's really quick. Yeah, really, really quick. Um, so I think that he can. You know, I think he can play center and or guard in, in the pros. And yes, yes, he could push out to tackle, but I don't, I don't see, I don't see that. I just don't think he's got the the body shape for that to for, to play permanently at tackle in the pros. No. He'll do, do you a job out there when somebody's it hurt or whatever else. But 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 he, but he looks like a guy that's going to anchor the interior line for for a long time to come. So yeah, love it. Yeah, love loving the pick. I love the protection he gives. Um, and yeah, he just seems an all rounder. He seems like he can't hit the ground running now as well. So he's definitely an option if they want to plug him in for an injury, which we. Like, unfortunately, undoubtedly, we'll pick up. Jace Sternberger, tight end. So, two defense, now we go to offense. Uh, Sternberger, again, comes behind Hawkinson and Fant, but I believe he was number three on our board, right? Um, so, Sternberger. Um, Peter, is this a guy who could, you know, sort of fill uh, some sort of a need, I guess, this year? Or is he expected to sit behind Jimmy Graham or Mercedes Lewis? They see out the year, leave, and then he's in there with Tanyan or whoever else that we can add. Um, no, I think I think he does a job for you th- this year. So he was the fourth tight end on our uh, on our board behind Hock Fanton of Smith, who went yeah. who went in the second round as expected. But but yeah, no, I really like I really like this pick, um, and I think he'll do a job for them this year. Now he's one of those guys. Um, he's not the. Oh, how can I put this? How can I be kind? He's not the greatest of blockers right now as a. As, as, a, as a tight end there are games that he's pointed out on on twitter and places where where you can actually see him blocking very well but 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 realistically he, he's been a pass catching pass catching tight end he splits out quite a lot so you're going to see him line up in the slot you're going to see him line up wide i suspect yeah so i, th- I think he's going to do i think he's going to do a, re- a real job a real job so he's somewhere in between if you like a um I don't know. It's going back to the old days. It's somewhere in between a Mark Shamura and a Keith Jackson type. For those of us that remember that <laughs> pretty, far back, pretty flattering though. In fairness, um, to say well, my comparison would be Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. So that's who he reminds me of. Just because of the way he dips his shoulder in his route running, he's got a bit of savviness about him, and he creates separation. And as a tight end, either in line or out, split out wide, that's going to be his job first year. They're not going to ask him yeah. to do a lot of them. Um, in line blocking, not. are they? They're not. There's just no way. Um, <clears throat> he needs to fill into his frame as well. That's probably the next thing, isn't it? But he's a. Uh, he's uh, the only confusing thing with Sternberg, and we had him number four, but I had him probably three. I never saw uh, Smith was an option, but his rascal score wasn't great, was it? He's not the, he's he's, not the quickest, is he? He's not the most athletic, is he? So he's, no, he's so he's the exception to the to, to the rule. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely, all, yeah. Although, although. I think that one of the Packers, it may have been Gutenkunst or, or one of the others, has come out and said that they timed him in the 40 a lot quicker than what, <laughs> yeah, his, what, that, yeah. what his combine time was, if you, if you can believe that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but, That's but, why but, I had wearing above um, Sternberger slightly. Yeah. I thought, and wearing got taken, I think, four or what's, five picks later, didn't he? But um, What's interesting about Sternberger is he, he looks fast. He plays fast, if you want to use a, a, yeah, he a does, kind yeah. of analyst. <laughs> You know, analysts speak. He pl- he plays faster than he times. Yeah, uh, and he wore a Green Bay uniform when he was about four years old. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, we should have mentioned that off the top. That should have been the top criteria. Really. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a recent photo of him. I was getting quite worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the one one point five feet tight um, end. Yeah, no wonder he's bad at blocking. Um, so we get down to one fifty, and we start to get into sort of uh, weird territory here with Kingsley Kiki. Uh, so. You know, we're we're talking the defensive line again. Is this? I don't know. I mean, are we stacked enough now, or is this just sort of an embarrassment of riches? I mean, when we look at you know Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, uh, Tyler Lancaster, we've Montrevious Adams. Do you see anything in him, Andy, that sort of spells to you that this is actually NFL starter material? Yeah, I like him. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was great. Yeah, um, <clears throat> if you watch the senior ball practices, he, he was he was dominating. To be honest. Um, good, good character, good length, good size, can penetrate, 
talked about the lack of moves from Rashan Gary. This guy's got swim moves and spin moves and hustle, um, a lot to like. He can probably play both three and five techniques, I would imagine, um, at the pro level. Um, really like him, yeah. Really good pick at that level. I didn't think he'd be available that far down the draft, to be honest. So, really surprising that we were able to pick him up. Um, adds great depth. Doesn't need to contribute straight away, does he? But, uh, yeah. yeah, high character guy. Lot to like, lot to like. That's my favourite. The sort of later round picks, he, he was the he was the most favourite for me. Um, pleased with that pick, yeah. And you had him quite high, Peter, didn't you? In the in the day two sort of players that you had still available, this guy was yeah, up there so, in the so, list. So, yeah, so he was he was something like 153 on our list. So he didn't make the top 150, but he was you know one or two just outside it, or three outside it, I guess 153 is. Um, so so yeah, so when it came to day two, you know, he was well up that well up that list and. And I know that other people, you know, had him had him ranked even higher than that. And I know that that, that Andy was high on him. And um, yeah, I, I think once you get beyond Clark and Daniels, then it's difficult to work out what the depth chart order of those other guys is. Mm. And 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 he could very easily beat out all of those all of those names that you that you mentioned. And I. I it's difficult to know because, and it's difficult to talk about base sets now in the NFL. But, but I think we're getting more and more to the Packers going to what looks like a base four-three-ish defense, or certainly four-down linemen. And those four-down linemen might be any one of about ten people, right <laughs> yeah, now, including, yeah. Inclu- including some of those guys we're kind of nominally listing as outside linebackers. Yeah, but I think they're moving towards that more of a a four man line. And I think he fits in really well with that. And yeah, I think he's got a real shot, a real shot. I mean, I, 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 I'd be pretty certain he makes the roster unless something disastrous happens. Yeah. Uh, That's exciting enough then a good value at that pick then, I guess. Um, I think think so. Yeah. Now, not to do with the service that lads that come after this, but I guess we can probably lump them all in together. Andy Kadar Hallman, uh, cornerback Dexter Williams, who again, like and again, not to do with the service, but there's an awful lot. These guys, uh, you know, they have a lot going on. There's, there's, uh, you know, some really heartwarming stories behind them all. Dexter Williams is this year's story. Um, you know, a really terrible situation with his mom, and then he talks about. I, I believe she was in a coma, and then she came back out of her coma. Just a mind blowing story, which can also add more weight to him as a player, I guess, which is why people are are talking about him. And I've seen some of the tape on him as well that people have circulated, and it's some pretty dynamite stuff. And then we've Ty Summers. Uh, linebacker these three Andy for you I mean do you see a diamond in the rough you're always a man who has his finger on the pulse with running backs or is this something that it's just going to be a bit of fodder and they would be lucky to make the roster at this point uh, running back yes cornerback no linebacker special teams um, so that's my summary I think in Williams you've got a one cup runner with a home run threat um, the only two potential question marks would be his hands Um I'm not quite sure that his combine testing was pretty atrocious. If you watch the hands, it was awful. <laughs> um, what was he suspended for, Peter? He did a four-week suspension, didn't he, at the start? Yeah, of so, 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 he's had, so he's had a couple of things. Um, right, okay. Um, so, so he's had one at the beginning of this past season. They had one in his, I think, in his freshman or sophomore year. So um, that, that was my concern with him. I was quite surprised about, the Packers looking at somebody that had had previous character issues. Yeah. That's um, which is kind of almost out of character for the Packers, if you like, but, but they've, they've, they've got, you know, I guess that they're really sure that all of that stuff is behind him. And, and as you mentioned, Steve, you know, the, the, the situation with his mother and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that, I think that he, he, he makes the roster because I don't think there's yeah. a lot of, competition for the third running back spot anyway yeah but the uh, third back only yeah, i mean I had, yeah. I had him down at five round five i thought he would take yeah. him in round five and we took him in six didn't we so that was a a bonus for me um so yeah but yeah no, i agree i agree with it. The, the the corner I, I don't know what to say about that he was 556th on my list uh, <laughs> your list uh, went that far but but you know Jesus. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's one of those situations where once you get beyond let's say 200 or 250 or 300 at the, at the outside, you could almost put the rest of them in any, in any order. So yeah. um, it may have been alphabetical by that stage. Um, <laughs> he had a great visit by all accounts, didn't he? So yeah. I think he's fast, yeah. 
Um, he had a great visit. From what I've read upon him, and I know nothing about him, his, yeah. his tenacity is his strongest suit. But the one worry for me is if you look up his highlights, um, they're not really highlights. When you're struggling to get highlights and you're just jumping on a pile, I, I just worry that when the likes of Chris Boyd, Jordan Brown and Webster are still on the board, I get that Gooty's shooting for the stars and, and fair play. But this guy's 24. Mm. Mm. I mean, do, 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 do you know what I mean? If he was 19 or 21 or whatever, a little bit younger, I, I get it. Practice squad, stuff him away for two years and let's see what we've got. But if you put him on the practice squad for two years, he's going to be 26 and it's, you know, the window's closed, isn't it? So not I, sure I, on that one. No, I, I'm, I'm not sure either. In all fairness, I don't know enough about him. I, the, the only thing I would say from a numbers game perspective, he's got a chance because yeah. if, they carry, if they carry six corners... Which they probably will. Then he's then he's got a chance of hanging on there as the fifth or sixth corner and and predominantly a special teams gunner, I guess. Yeah. Well, lads, you know what to do. Uh, log on to Twitter, find his Twitter handle, get on and tell him personally how you feel about him. Um, and <laughs> you know maybe add his family members. You know, get involved, get his sisters and brothers. And I all think them. like all picks, so you're rooting for him, aren't you? Because yeah. it, 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 it appears as though he's he's come the hard road, doesn't he? So you root for guys like that, particularly unheralded school and all that sort of stuff. So. Regardless of what your opinions are, you, you still root for them, don't you? So I wanted yeah. to see him to do well. But I just think that there was probably more proven packages still left on the board from a cornerback perspective and the likes of Boyd and Jordan Brown and Webster and things of that nature. So. Uh, imagine yeah, imagine how hard would be struggling, Steve, in the old days of the 12-round draft. Oh, man. I, I imagine what we would have said about Bart Starr. We, we, <laughs> we would be going down to number 500 on my list at that point. Yeah. Yeah, but I know, but you want to get excited about late round picks. That's what it's all about, you do. isn't it? You, you do. Donald Drivers of this world yeah. and, and, and all that sort of stuff. You you want to try and eke out those diamonds in the rough and, and feel as though you've done a great job and um, and bring those guys through because that, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It disappoints me the, the last sort of two rounds of this draft and then particularly last year as well. If you look at what we got out of last year's draft, it feels mm-hmm. as though we're, I don't know, we're just shooting a little bit too high for me or shooting in the wrong ballpark. Yeah. And you're coming, Ty Summers, okay, yeah, Rascal's decent, speed, special teams, but he's, he's going to be high on the depth chart for inside linebackers for an unknown quantity, isn't he? A former yeah, quarterback, you know, that's just, oh, I don't know. And it's, and, it, and it's interesting, you know, you touch on, you know, last year's draft as well, and the, and the jury's still out on that draft, isn't it? But, you know, you obviously the, the number one guy everybody loves and, is, and it was a great pick, but, but after yeah. that, after that, mm-hmm. the, you know, the wide receivers came, you know, two of the three wide receivers were, were good, you know, were okay. And, 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 and we hope that they're going to progress and we have all three of them progress. But right now, the jury is out on, on last year's, on last year's draft. That's it. I can, I can, if you listen really, really carefully, you can hear about four different beat writers writing an article about that same topic right now. <laughs> um, which, which brings me to the next one. Uh, there was an article that was released on Mike Daniels. Um, Andy, was this something that you bookmarked as one of your favourites or do you have a particular opinion <laughs> on this piece? Do you want to tell us what that piece was about, Andy, um, and how you feel about it? I, I don't think it deserves any airtime, to be honest. I just think that if you're, you know, you're two days removed from the NFL draft where you've got you know, eight new prospects coming to Green Bay and you've got a lot to talk about, why you feel the need to point out Mike Daniels as a square peg in a round hole in Gooty's current scheme is beyond me. You know, the guy's given Green Bay some fantastic service during yeah. his career and will continue to do so in what is his contract year. I, I get the other guys are a little bit taller than him. I, I get that we've drafted a defensive lineman that's six foot four, but, but that doesn't make Mike Daniels dispensable or, or yeah. any less of a player. It's a non-story in, in what, you know, if you just pop that story in the middle of June or something when there was nothing going on and you had some background to it, then fair enough. But there's just nothing there, is it? I just, it just befuddles me at times why we need to sort of write that sort of stuff, particularly given the, the stature in the Green Bay, you know, writing community. It's just bizarre for me. Yeah, just bizarre. Yeah, there's a real problem, I think, uh, when journalists sort of, especially in this industry, they hit the off-season, you know, they're sort of clutching at, they're probably writing in a notebook because they're going around, you know, eating sushi with their family, like, oh, what can I write about? So then they keep having to try come up with stuff. Um, I was in a sort of similar line when I was doing some stuff for, um, what was it, NBC26 or something at the time. You know, it was every week there was a bi-weekly article. And I was like, what do I even write about? And I started with James Jones and that heartwarming story. And eventually it was just me going, 
well, the jerseys aren't as green as they used to be, uh, you know, and it's kind of like no one wants to read that. So if there's a way that they could cover multiple sports, maybe go off, play golf. Uh, you know, I think what's your man Sims? Doesn't he go off and commentate on the golf and stuff like that? I think we need to get these people into woodworking or something. <laughs> so they need to be building birdhouses in the off season. I mean, you know, we need to give these guys a break because do you know what? At the same time, I, I do sort of feel sorry for some of these beat writers too that have to conjure up stories which is why we always see the heartwarming um you know almost britain's got talent or whatever those shows are called you know where they delve into the family and all that kind of stuff and say but go and talk to one of the scouts and you know a couple of the scouts yeah. that, that spoke after picks during green bay's draft spoke really well didn't they you know yeah. guys that i hadn't really sort of looked much into previously and you sit up and take notice and you think oh i wouldn't mind knowing a little bit more about him or his background mm. or what you know, is he a potential GM of the future and all that sort of stuff? Write something that's going to be of interest and is going to add some value to your life, not something that's just pointing out the blatant and the obvious that Mike Daniels is six foot and a bit and the rest of the guys are a little bit taller. It doesn't necessarily mean they don't fit into his defence. Just there's a non-story, complete non-story. Now, where it would be a story, Andy, was is if he was six foot seven last season and now he's decided to become six foot one. I mean, that definitely is something worth writing about if he's got some sort of leg shortening operation. Absolutely. Um, I, mean, I, might tweet, I, might, I might tweet Mike Daniels and give him a link to one of those catalogues where you can make yourself two inches smaller with swim soles and just put, a, put an end to it completely. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know where you get those emails to, you know, lengthen things? I wonder, can you get those for legs or never seen them for legs before uh, some sort of leg pump um, if, if they were I'd be signing me up I'd be going into the spam folder every day looking for some bargains um, so I guess that's a note to probably end the podcast on it any other business um, so all in all I mean you know falling short of and you can do it if you like given this draft sort of a grade um, Peter are you happy enough with this draft do you think that we've got something really to build on yeah no I'm 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 pretty okay with it and you know i'll 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 give it a grade just based on what we what we talked about i'll give it a i'll give it a 7.75 out of 10 holy lama well where are we at there but that's a b plus is that we're talking yeah that that kind of area and you know talking about that you know i've seen a bunch of people that have given the packers an an a or an a minus you know charlie castley on on the nfl network came out and said it was the best draft of all the teams i don't i don't quite believe it's that good Mm. but you know, I think I think it's I think it's in the top ten. Uh, Who's having the uh, best draft, Peter? Who or teams did you see that that nailed it? Well, I think I think that I think that Arizona's. When you look at when you look at the 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 number of players that they got that you could probably say a top fifty, top sixty players, they end up with seven or eight of those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it you is. kind of and you kind of hope to expect that they pick them picking number one and and whatever else, and then getting the extra the extra pick for Josh Rosen and whatever else. So I think Arizona had a had a probably the best draft of all, probably by quite some why, if you put aside where they were picking and just looked at who they picked. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think Arizona, but I, but I think the Packers is is definitely top half I think it's probably higher than top half it's probably yeah you know finish that kind of area and I'm more than happy to give it a 7.76 <laughs> Andy you're going to get that exact buddy yeah uh, well if you're starting off an A I'll take you I'll take you one point off for the two bottom six and seven round picks I wasn't a number with those two so that takes you to a, a sort of B an A minus I didn't like the value um, in round one. I thought we could have done something a little bit different and, and ended up with a little bit more for our book. So I'll take it another one. So you're probably looking at a, a B, B plus for me. Everything else I was quite happy with. I did a great job. I think um, for me, I thought San Francisco and Washington were the two NFC winners in the draft. Uh, and then you probably have the Packers in third place for me. That's how I saw it. And in the AFC, annoyingly, New England, I don't know how he does it, but they they seem to uh, do a good job, surprisingly enough. <laughs> yeah, who would have seen that one coming? Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to keep winning all these Super Bowls. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, well. they properly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Look, we've reserved the right too to go back and and grade how they did after year after two years. But all of this talk about that you can't evaluate a draft as it happens, you absolutely can. Um, with the you know reserving the right, sure. Didn't the the good old Dalai Lama always says, if wow. you're open to change as we go forward. So let's just be all. Yeah, I think I think at this stage it's all about we're not you know we're, we're not trying to project how good these guys are going to be in three years time because nobody can do that. It's about as Andy says, it's about looking at did you get did you get perceived value for the picks that you had? 
Yeah. Did you fill some of the holes that you thought that you had? You know, did, were you able to get solid backups at positions where you were looking for solid backups? We don't know how any of them are going to turn out, but we but we can kind of grade it in the on the early days on 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 that basis. I think. Yeah, and look, anyone who thinks that you can't grade the draft, um, let's look at the New York Giants. So uh, last year where they could have went in for a quarterback. They went and went with Saquon Barkley. Now, not that he's a sort of regret pick, the guy's a revelation, um, but they, you know, they ended last in the division for the first time since the, the mid-70s, I believe. And then look what they did this year. So yes, you can, and anybody who says, oh, I can't believe they went and did that, and then thinks that you can't actually put a grade on someone else's draft. I mean, it has to be one way or the other. And certainly, um, I'm very encouraged uh, as well, guys, of what I see the Packers doing. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting times. Certainly our defense is after getting an awful lot quicker, um, an awful lot meaner and bigger. Um, and there's really some star potential there to cause some massive disruption up front. But it's been great having you lads on. Um, and anybody who wants to see the Packers in the flesh, we will be releasing the game packages really, really soon. We're just waiting to finalize on some of those prices to go over to uh, Lambeau Field. So what we have in mind is the Raiders game and also what are we talking about, the Panthers? Um, so... Yeah, stay tuned for that and we'll fill you in on all the details. But it's an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you boys. Uh, so that's Peter Jones at IT Hedgehog and uh, at Pooley Shrew of Andy Davies. And you guys are always a great follow um, on Twitter. And uh, thanks for joining us and thanks for listening in, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. See you later, guys.